Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Prestige movie. Today, we're talking about Cape Fear, the 1991 version directed by one Martin Scorsese. Uh, you know Martin Scorsese. Goodfellas, Casino, mm-hmm. The Aviator. Marty, as I call Marty. him. Marty. Yeah. We're friends. Screenplay by Wesley Strick, who also wrote the screenplay for Arachnophobia, Batman <laughs> Returns. These films, unlike... Kate Fear. Uh, he recently worked as a writer EP on The Man in the High Castle for Amazon. This is based on Kate Fear the Movie, 1962, directed by James R. Webb, uh, based on The Executioners, a novel by Jan- John D. McDonald. It also interestingly stars the, t- the two stars of that film, the 62 version, Robert Mitchum and Gregory Peck, appear in this one in minor supporting roles. Uh, it stars Robert De Niro himself as Max Cady. Uh, you know, you know Robert De Niro. Come on, the uh, man, the myth, the legend, the renowned uh, accent work voice actor the, Robert. The De Niro. nine-time collaborator with Martin Scorsese. It's something, something crazy like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Somewhere between seven and ten. Uh, Nick Nolte. Uh, Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte was in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> if you've heard him speak in the last 10, was 15 he? years, you'll know it because he sounds like he just gargles acid all day and he's always into shit. I only know um, him from his mugshots. That's really that's true. <laughs> I think that era is when he started talking like this, Jim. You know, that <laughs> mugshot got out. He just didn't give a fuck no more. I... <laughs> he actually sounds like a normal human being in this film. Carefully, uh, Ron. You have a full hour of podcasting to do. I, I and I, I was d- doing some Nick Nolte runs last night, and I swear to God, something broke loose in my throat. Like, dude, that just, <laughs> oh, I just no. felt like like a tendon or something went twing snap. Woof. <sighs> I gotta be careful. I gotta baby it. I gotta baby it. Uh, Jessica Lang, American Horror Story f- favorite as Lee. Um, she's the traumatized wife in this movie. Juliet Lewis. You'll never guess plays a traumatized daughter in this movie. And uh, Joe Don Baker. I love Joe Don Baker. Mm-hmm. He was the CIA agent handler for James Bond throughout the Pierce Brosnan era. Uh, he essentially plays the character of Mitchum or Mitchell from the classic Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode covering Mitchell. Uh <laughs> And there's, there's other people, but this this is the cast. Uh, Jim, have you seen Cape Fear either edition before? And what did you make of it this time around? Uh, no, I have not. I have not seen the 62 version or the 99, 99, 91 version. Uh, I will say I didn't care much for this movie. It's okay. Uh, I think the thing that supports it at all here and makes it worth my time to watch and not just want to shut it off is Robert De Niro's performance. It may be barring his accent. I, I don't like his accent. I think it's an odd choice uh, of actor if you really want this guy to be Southern, and it's an odd choice to make Robert De Niro Southern if you really want Robert De Niro. So it it was weird. Um, but Robert De Niro is great in this. He is terrifying. Uh, most of the time he did a lot of work, I guess, pre-production in order to make himself and, and during production actually to make himself uh, a lot more intimidating looking by putting on a ton of muscle and it worked. Uh, Julia Lewis equally is awesome in this movie, not because she's terrifying, but because she's 
playing so innocent at the beginning of this movie and then so just terrorized by Robert De Niro at the end. Um, she's great. I've, I've, I've always liked uh, Juliette Lewis, uh, especially in Natural Born Killers. That's probably her standout for me. Uh, the plot of this movie, I get what it's about. It's about like injustice in the justice system, I suppose. But it, it, yeah, I felt like it was a little bit clumsy in that regard and ultimately a little gratuitous to make its point well, I think. But I don't know. How'd you feel about it? I thought it was pretty dumb. I thought it was pretty stupid. Uh, like, at various points in this film, I'm just like, I don't believe you're playing into this guy's hands. You know, like, there's like, oh, mm-hmm. he's just doing such a good job of staying this on this side of the law. And I'm like, is he? Is it's the stuff he? with Lori that, that really, Man. like... Yeah. It, and it's kind of the point of the movie, but also... I don't I know if I they, buy it. I, I think they fucked up. They went a little too far on some of these supposedly on the on the line crimes to really mm-hmm. make me feel because you're supposed to feel like you're in this pressure cooker where you've got this violent psychopath who is essentially doing the big brother version of the I'm not touching you. I'm yeah, not yeah. touching the you. The legal kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you know, you're being tormented by your brother or sister and they're not really bothering you, but they're fucking bothering you. And it's like you're supposed to think of like this lawyer who, you know, is hand, like like the law being used as a shackle against him. He can't protect his family. I just didn't. I just didn't. And then the, yeah. the last minute twist of like, oh, you weren't as good a defense lawyer as you could have been. It's like it doesn't. It doesn't. It didn't really hit for me because I'm like, well. It sounds like you 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 raped that sixteen year old girl, Robert. Yeah. So, sounds like you needed to go and look and look what you're doing now. Looks like we shouldn't have let you out. Like there, uh-huh. there I'm wasn't starting like to come around big... on this vigilante justice thing. Yeah. Because yeah. of you. Because look what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's like I I don't. <laughs> and that's not normally movies that move me more towards a conservative reactionary viewpoint. But congratulations, <laughs> Kate Peer. You got me there. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. It's just and it's um. There's a lot of curious choices because I so the whole story behind this is Martin Scorsese made the last temptation of Christ, which is this deeply personal, uh, pan offensive uh, work about uh, obviously the Christ, um, and he to made a deal with the studio that if you if you let me do this, then I'll do a, a conventional studio picture for you. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow he wound it up. This is also was uh, interesting because it's all bound up in Schindler's List. Somehow he was going to make the studio picture of Schindler's List, and he didn't feel right about it. So, and and Steven Spielberg had Cape Fear, so just like, hey, you know what? Let's let's trade. Let's trade. Um, yeah, and, and Spielberg I think got the best of that deal. I do, I do. But like, I don't think that. And it's not that I don't think Martin Scorsese didn't give a shit. This just wasn't a passion project for him. Like I think he picked something that he is. A little, I think I think he was a little intrigued by the um, uh, the classic Cape Fear. I think he wanted to make like a Hitchcock style thriller. Um, and I think he also made the mistake of maybe biting Hitchcock a little too hard. And there's this. I've been working on this theory. I'm going to debut it on this podcast called the Uncanny Cinema Valley, mm. where like. 
we as a modern audience have an easier time being entertained by something like Citizen Kane, by Casablanca, by uh, Maltese Falcon, something that's very, very old and, and recognizably then like sometimes you get some of this stuff that's like mid 80s to early 90s and it's like recognizably modern but extremely dated because of its either sensibilities or its filmmaking techniques and just mm-hmm. like you know the uncanny valley is this uh, theory that like um you have fully realistic humans and they're not creepy at all and like you got mickey mouse cartoons and they're not creepy at all but like the weird cg polar express kind of zemeckis shit that they were doing where it's like 90% of a human but dead eyes or whatever and it just streaks, strikes you as creepy I feel like there's this where it's like there's something about this era of film stock and acting and the general kind of gross sensibilities um, that is harder to be entertained by than something like Citizen Kane um, and I think this movie hmm. falls squarely into that uncanny valley where like maybe 20, 30 years from now, it'll be something where it's like, oh, look at this crazy, weird Scorsese movie. But now it's like, except except for extreme fans of Scorsese and maybe Hitchcock and people that want to compare the two filmmaking techniques, I don't know why anyone would watch this for fun. Except for... Sure, sure. It is kind of an important piece of Robert De Niro's filmmaking because... You know, I've seen Robert De Niro be terrifying a dozen different ways. This is a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like you mentioned, what he's done, like how he sculpted his body. Um, I didn't. The accent work didn't bother me. I don't. I don't know why. Um, Ooh, I I don't know why it bothers me. I guess it, it he just... sounded like the the main guy of shit the, that S Town serial podcast. <laughs> okay. Like you know, uh-huh. kind of. So it's, it's some, I feel like sometimes you get a swishy kind of southern accent that it comes out this way. But um, he's yeah, he's he's fantastic, and he makes a lot of stuff work that I don't think should work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I agree. But yeah. Yeah. Um I, I I was super worried about the sensibilities especially when it comes to sexuality um and the justice system and women uh throughout the beginning of this movie. I think they come around on it to a place of reason, but boy, I was really shaky at the beginning of this. There there's a lot of weird stuff. There there's also weird stuff that is just unresolved that maybe we can talk about in the spoilers. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't know that this is a movie I ever care to revisit. But I, I guess I'm glad I've seen I've seen the De Niro performance. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like I, I've, I've checked off another Scorsese. Um, it, it is uh, it is an intriguing, broad but intriguing uh, and, and committed De Niro performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pretty good Nick Nolte too. Actually, everyone does a really good job at what they're doing. It's just like what they're doing is just yeah. not great. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if I needed it. The, the thing that I guess that has to work for this movie, you know, we talk about like that. You got to feel like that um, De Niro's Katie has got uh, Nick Nolte's characters completely boxed in. And mm. I feel like that just a ton of errors on Nick Nolte's part, like in errors relationship with his, like it made him uniquely vulnerable to, like his family was already uh, divided against him before this started, and then you add, uh, you know, you add Max Katie to it, and it's just like just 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 do- finishes doing the job. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it bugs me because I felt like there's just so many things that were you know 
he just did just Nick Dolte just did a terrible job of like empathizing with his family. Like I, I, I didn't feel bad for him because I felt like, well, you just keep on fucking things up, man. You just keep fucking things up. And maybe that's the point, you know, that this guy yeah. has corroded his family. But then I think I'd also plays false because at the end, like the family's brought closer together and they act like, Oh, we never, well, we went on from that day and we never talked about it again. And we like, that felt very false to me. This felt like a oh, family yeah. that was already fractured and something like this would just blow the lid off. And sure. instead it brings, and I, I'm like, so I thought the end note was also false. Like the end is ridiculous. The end of this movie oh, yeah. is ridiculous. And then when it ended in like this weird dead eyed monotone, monologue from Juliet Lewis about how the family went on as a nuclear I just I don't know man yeah it, very it just, Scorsese you know voiceover kind of thing and it's yeah, all like that's you. classic Scorsese guilt and shame and how it weighs mm-hmm. on you and how it but it's like this scenario just didn't seem nothing about it seemed as compelling as you know you could you put this up against departed you put this up against casino right. up against goodfellas um raging bull uh it just doesn't it doesn't hold a candle the yep. aviator like literally this is my least favorite scorsese film uh that i've seen uh there's a bunch i haven't seen still because yeah. the Age of innocence just... is is not my favorite scorsese film uh it, it see, might... i like that i, I don't know that shit worked like in that like in that very particular like if they he tried to make uh-huh. that movie set in the 1990s i'd be like well oh, okay True. sure yeah, yeah i don't yeah. want to relitigate the Downton Abbey of it all, but yeah, go go listen to it. Go if listen to our recorded a podcast. podcast. On it. <laughs> yep. Um, what should we do? Should we talk? Do we have? Um, I, I thought another interesting thing about this movie uh, is it's got a score that was originally written by Bernard Herman for the 1962 Cape Fear and was mm-hmm. lightly reworked and updated by Elmer Bernstein. So like you are listening to, and it sounds like it, that's another thing that gives it that kind of Hitchcock feel is this mm-hmm. authentic sixties thriller soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the Hitchcock of it all doesn't really work for me. Um, like you said, it's too thin. It's, it's like, I never felt like, I never felt like the legal trappings were were being indicted here, right? Like like yeah. the idea that Robert De Niro, uh, I, I I don't know. Maybe if Robert De Niro had had if if Katie had worked faster to get into this guy's life, uh, I would believe that the legal system was too cumbersome and slow to respond to a threat like that. But he takes uh weeks to to get going here i think a guy like nick nolte a high power lawyer could absolutely get a restraining order could do all the things he needs to do uh legally get his ducks in a row in that amount of time now that wouldn't stop a guy like max katie right that's not that's not the point but then you got the pretext to get him th- rearrested and thrown back in jail sure like if yeah. he's violating the terms of a you know probably out on parole probably a violation of that he'd be in for a right. lot longer yeah there there's you can get him off off your case here um mm-hmm. but but i never felt like that was that was a thing it was like okay he's sitting on a property line on a fence yeah i guess he knows that legally he can't trespass but who doesn't know that right he didn't see, feel like a legal mastermind to me mm-hmm. he felt like a guy who knew just enough just a normal dude who knew anything right. about the law whatsoever being right. a, a terrorist of against his family. 
It, so yeah, yeah that part didn't like, work when they're trying to make him like, oh my god, he's so smart legally. What? How, he's outmaneuvering me at every turn. I never felt that. Yeah, even the intro to Katie, it's like he's you know he's doing these 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 dips in prison and you know you just see this giant muscled back Robert De Niro but like it's panning over this bookshelf that he's got and he's just got like the communist manifesto and mm-hmm. war and peace and he's got pinups of Pinochet and Mussolini he's just like all over like where the why, fuck yeah. are you and intellectually crosses and 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 uh confederate shit and nazi right. stuff and it's like yeah right. you're You've just adopted every nasty philosophy I can think of. Exactly. And it's, he's the it comes off as a cartoon, honestly. He's the living embodiment of, like, horseshoe theory. It's like, you know. No, what's that? He, oh, I just like that uh, if you get to the extremes of the left and right, that they eventually bend uh, back into, like, some kind uh, of authoritarian fascism. Um, I don't gotcha. personally subscribe to it myself, but, like, this guy, clearly, it's like reads uh the communist manifesto is like oh it sounds pretty good yeah redistribution need to reads mind cough eh, i fucking hate the jews and it's just like <laughs> there's no yeah no he underlying yeah he, he's a joke he's not a real person uh right and that hurts the film i think ultimately yeah 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 um shall we get to the is there anything else we need to Oh, I want to say something about the, the the Hitchcock stuff that's not working for you. I think we talked mm-hmm. about this in the what was the last? Was it rear view mirror that uh a rear view window? Rear window? The rear window. Why do I always want to put view? Uh the oh. rear window. Is it the one that opens with the big tracking shot of the the established location in the city? I think it does. And we talked about like that's such um like you start off with five miles away and you just kind of like zo- like this this zoom in zoom in zoom in zoom in on this uh, apartment and like yeah that's a very impressive and immersive shot back in the day and you can still kind of admire it with like God how did he pull that off he doesn't have like helicopters this and that he just kind mm-hmm. of like did this practically painstakingly um, there's a few shots like that in this film but it loses all that like oh wow how did you do it charm because it's just like I'm doing this weird Hitchcock stuff I'm doing negative exposures and I'm doing you know, and I'm yeah. gonna do a color wash on it and it's like well it's 1991 you could do a better job Marty yeah you Jurassic could actually park uh, look at the state of the art man <laughs> right it's, it's terminator 2 flipping is, yeah your is your contemporary film of this movie this isn't like 1981 and mm-hmm. and there's just a lot but i think that's what he wanted to do he wanted to go for that very particular 60s kind of hitchcockian thriller and he wanted to make it yeah. you know i understand the original is is more like what we were thinking it's going to be like a tr- a good man who's just being uh harassed within the within the bounds of a law by a psychopath and martin uh scorsese takes this as like well what i want to make sure my catholic guilt and shame are in there and i want that to be you know i don't want nick nolte to be a good man i want him to be a flawed man who's being brought down by his flaws and the Hmm. reason his family's not on his side is because he's not faithful to him and he's this and 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 like I don't know. I feel like you maybe needed to pick one of those things or maybe I don't. But like I said, I, you know, what? what it's, a, it's a $30 million movie he shot for Universal mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. as a favor because they let him do his weird Jesus film. Uh, yeah. Do we have any non-spoiler things we want to talk about or should we get to the spoiler stuff? Uh, well, I, I want to say I think it's a mistake to try to make Martin Scorsese do a mainstream film. You know, like, why? Why would you? 
I mean, the guy doesn't make these kind of movies. Why would you try and force him into this mold? Why not just give this to some other director who does a more traditional job? Um, it doesn't, it doesn't read, make a lot of sense to me. Did you read Roger Ebert's review? Uh, like, I read the highlights, not all of it. No, Fully half, like the, the second half was just him saying that. Like, why are we doing, like, this is a fine yeah. movie, but why are we doing this? This is the greatest living director that we have working at this time. He's in the middle of the most interesting phase of his career. This is contemporary. Mm-hmm. And this isn't the, it's, it's like, like why, why, era, right? Yeah. Why, he, he, yes. He made Goodfellas, I think the year before this. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, why, why the hell are we making him do this kind of shoddy remake? You know? Um, it's, yeah. and, and it, he's like, hey, it's getting a good reception. It's getting a good review. Obviously, it gained some Oscar stuff. This isn't a trash movie. It's just extraneous. Is that the right word for it? I suppose. Yeah. It'd be like what? It'd be like uh, taking LeBron James and uh, having him play curling. I mm-hmm. as a gifted athlete, I'm pretty sure he could give he'd be a he could give curling a, a great shot. You know, mm-hmm. you give, but like, why would you do that? It's like taking why? Michael Jordan and making him play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> why would you do that? In that case, you couldn't stop him. But yeah, yeah that's why because he, he was being punished by the NBA commissioner for his many gambling crimes. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, shall we get to the uh, to the description of what the movie's about? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, this movie's about a lawyer played by Nick Nolte. I went for the I went I went for the impression. And my throat said no, and I had to bail. I had to bail in the first mm-hmm. syllable. Uh, Nick Nolte is a lawyer who uh, 17 years ago defended Robert De Niro's Max Cady uh, for the assault and rape of a 16-year-old. Uh, the unsuccessful defense, which led to him going to prison for 17 years. Uh, and he has been released on parole, and he has decided to move to Nick Nolte's hometown and get to know his family. I that's 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 the setup of the movie. That's the setup of the movie. Uh, sure. That's not like you know. And he, he introduces himself, says hi, and you know it's kind of weird and off-putting. But he can't. It's not illegal. It's not illegal to say hi to your old def- uh, defense attorney. Mm-mm. Um, he's just he's just out taking a stroll, and that's the whole movie. And it goes it goes wild places. Uh, I think you either know now whether you want to see it again or you want to see it for the first time. Check it out if you do. Uh, no skin off my nose and or back if you don't. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. Here's what's new in premium content for our club members. No lunch this week, as I'll be traveling on vacation, but get ready for next week when we have the rare, elusive, dare I say premium lunch with Talitha and Aaron. And while you're waiting for the return of the king, don't forget May is the time to switch your Patreon tiers to make sure you maintain your full benefits by June. Stop by support.ballmove.com to check your Patreon levels to see the new benefits and decide which one is right for you. And finally, tickets are now on sale for Badass Fest 6. Come meet us live and in person, watch a mystery badass film with us, and then hear us record the podcast right there in front of you in a theater packed with Bald Move fans. Get your details and your tickets at baldmove.com slash live. If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com right now to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content plus ad-free feeds. And now, back with more Bald Move. 
Uh, I'm worried that we won't have much to say in the spoiler section because I feel like I've we've, we've, we've talked about the whole <laughs> oh, thing. I, I've uh, got some more stuff to say for sure. Can I, I want to talk about? We talked about the 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 Hitchcock of it. There is some just uh-huh. cheesy shot compositions. Like what is going on yeah. with this guy? Like Martin Scorsese is green screening and running. I think the original Quake skybox for north carolina for this entire movie that scene like where where we first meet robert de Niro and he's walking out of prison he comes to the he i think he actually bumps into the camera on that take but the storm <laughs> that's you don't you didn't notice anything about the I, fucking sky i noticed there was a storm coming in at one point during the movie but no oh there's this it's just badly composited like the sky hmm. looks like when they open the box of the covenant the, mm-hmm, the, the Ark mm-hmm. of the Covenant at the end of Raiders. Like, it's just unnatural. And they repeat that again and again and again. And, hmm. yeah, I, I just thought they were extremely cheesy. And that, that Robert De Niro stalking towards it's like, that was kind of menacing, but I do feel like the last five frames of that shot are Robert De Niro's left nostril hitting the camera lens and being <laughs> deformed by it. Like, it, it was wild. I mean... Maybe that's why you hire Scorsese for shots like that, you know, avant-garde. They're inventive. Uh, They're inventive. That's for sure. Yeah, no one's ever seen that particular side of Robert De Niro's nostril. I don't know. He really looks like a dirtbag. You know, uh, the way he holds himself, the the tattoos he has. Uh, De Niro does a great job transforming not not just his physical uh, presence, but also his just uh how intimidating he is uh it's a different kind of intimidating it's a guy who's physically imposing at this point um and and walks and carries himself as such yeah Uh, it's it's not something i see a lot from de niro i i see him being uh intimidating because of his will and his like his presence as like a dangerous guy but not mm-hmm. a physically intimidating, not a guy who could grab you and like tear you into pieces. Or maybe he could, because uh, certainly like Raging Bull, De Niro. Oh, oh could. totally. Yeah, that's the But exception. like, he's like, usually De Niro in these movies, like in Scorsese movies, is crewed up. He wouldn't uh-huh. have to. Like, he, he yeah, might have, have Joe this, Pesci you know, do it or something. Yeah, exactly. He's got, he's, he's, he's powerful in ways beyond mm-hmm. his, his physicality. And here it's just, he is uh, a street tough, essentially. It's had 17 years to earn a law degree and to read the Communist Manifesto um, in, in, in prison. But he's also just, yeah, like, there's also a certain amount of, like, charm to De Niro in this movie, mm-hmm. except for this scene or two that he's trying to seduce Juliette Lewis uh he's just offensive he's just crude yeah loud boorish presumptive and it's all to you know get the goat of uh Nick Nolte yeah there's one other scene that I I really think he stands out in and it's that scene well I mean he stands out in a lot of scenes but the one that is um kind of a different side of him like the charming side it's the one with Lori in the bar where she's like clearly very drunk and he is yeah. he knows what he's going to do to her and he comes across as charming but like in a very disturbed kind of way like if she weren't drunk she should be picking up on a lot of signals here that this man is very nasty uh, yeah. not nearly as charming as he's pretending to be and Robert De Niro plays that perfectly <sighs> 
I think that's the that kicks off one of the biggest flaws of the movie, which is like this was an early provocation. I think it was like he mm-hmm. said hi, <laughs> he sat on their fence, and then he grabbed Lori and he rapes her. Right. Uh, and you have to believe that like he is calculatingly doing all these things to of maximally offend Nick Nolte but to stay on the right side of the law and he calculates that she will be so embarrassed by the potential revelation that Nick Nolte and her are having extramarital affair that she will say mum about the rape which I would almost buy except for the sheer violence like he bites her cheek off physically mm-hmm. disfigures her for all time to the extent that she mo- she ends up moving to the e- back home to the east coast after this and her stated reason for not going to the cops to report this is because she's afraid what the local legal community will think of her mm-hmm. like that i mean this is, th- this is where the like movie it, almost it, gets it, to it, a point but it's it's too cartoonish um it's too over the top with it uh, yeah, They're like the argument, like this, like this, this argument doesn't stand against itself. It's like I cannot face the, my peers in the community. Uh, I can't tell. I, they they can't know that I've been raped. By the way, my face is half missing, and also I'm moving home, and I'm never going to see them again. So, mm-hmm. like the the reason she states that she's not going to testify is completely undone. Like five minutes later, and I'm like, I just it, well, I, I mean, so it's not just about like. The, the the reputational damage she'll suffer but it's the act of going through it and that's where i think the movie has a point because up to this up to this yes. point i i was kind of despising the character's sensibilities on on sex in this movie like yes there there's nick nolte right is is the whole reason that this katie thing is happening is because he hid a report he buried a report that said the woman that Robert De Niro, the girl, the 16-year-old girl that Robert De Niro beat and raped to go to prison uh, was actually promiscuous, right? She had three sexual partners in a month. Right. And so he buried that right. and, and as evidence in Robert De Niro, which is the implication there is that a woman who is promiscuous cannot possibly be raped. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this movie has gone off the fucking reservation, man. It, it's, sure. That's what I'm saying. It's the it has Valley. some wild ideas. But then... Lori comes along and I'm like, okay, she's saying she's putting voice to everything that I was thinking yeah. in those previous scenes about how yeah. ridiculous and heinous and shitty that attitude is. Uh-huh. Um, and so the movie kind of won me back over, at least on that point, uh, when Lori says it. So I get it, right? She doesn't want to have to testify like... and have her her sexuality like mocked and be judged for it and 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 tell the tale in lurid details right like she doesn't want to go through that it's not just about like uh well my reputation is going to be harmed yeah and that's that's the uncanny valley because like the unspoken thing we're talking about here and in 1991 an audience would buy that in 1973 a man can 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 rape a 16 year old girl and because she's had three sexual experiences in a month that she's just a slut and who cares she's like and i'm like okay okay maybe i buy that I have a hard time buying that even in 1991 that a woman's going to go into court with her face beaten to hell, her arm broken, and her left cheek bit off, mm-hmm. and they're going to be like, well, Mrs. Jane or Lori David, did, 
what what skirt how much did you have to drink tonight what skirts like no one can possibly fucking consent this is like leave the sexual shit out of it it's just criminal it's just criminal assault you couldn't do this in a boxing ring to somebody sure but that's that's not what she's worried about she's not worried whether the jury will convict this guy or not no she's she's worried worried about the prosecutors going to say like going to say these ridiculous things like oh what are we drinking what do you drink or no the i guess the defense attorney is going to you know which is the thing that well they will they will i mean that's part of the the defense right i mean or yeah i i don't know i mean look it's not it's not unheard yeah, of. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, I, I you're you're arguing a movie's point. I'm just like I just like, this stuff all was completely baffling to to me. Um it, I, Yeah, I I, so I think they shouldn't have made it as as insane as it is, right? Like everything yes. in this movie is over the top, and I think right. that hurts it ultimately. Um Right. Uh, while we're talking about the sexuality stuff, one more thing here, M- maybe multiple things. There's a lot of sexuality in this, but <laughs> Wow. Uh, another fucked up thing that they never correct in this movie is when Juliette Lewis comes to her mom who's painting or whatever, uh, or d- doing artwork for logos. Yeah, she's a commercial and artist. She's talking about like people flashing her, and Juliette Lewis is like, Oh, you think I've never been flashed? And her mm-hmm. mom's like, Fine, fine. I didn't mean to insult you. Uh, of course. I'm sure you've been flashed before. I'm like, Wow, that is uh, a, a wild thing to teach your daughter that a, the highest compliment you can be paid is for someone right. to whip their dick out in front of you. Right. What? What right. are we talking yeah. about, movie? And they never address that. That's just like left to stand on its own. Yeah. Yeah. God, everything else is variations of stuff we've already talked about. <laughs> and then there's... Well, let me ask. Let me ask so oh. There's a lot of things also like um, that are like, how does... Jessica Lang not know that it's Max Katie she's talking to when he's outside know. her gate. Like there's a five minute sequence where the, the the tension is like, oh, she doesn't know that she's being charmed by um mm-hmm. like I like you've seen him at the theater, you saw him on the wall of your estate, you've seen him multiple times. Like what how the fuck did this guy this just heavily tattooed prison guy roll up on you and just start a conversation you treat him like he's a southern gentleman until like oh my god you must be that max katie i resent what you're trying to do to me sir you know get (laughs) retired to your couch because you caught the vapors it's just i don't know man a lot of scenes like that were just really Mm -hmm. stupid um i agree if i'm if i'm trying to like defend this movie somehow and i i wouldn't care to but if i'm playing devil's advocate yeah she's only seen him from the back and she saw him from the front, but it was like during fireworks. So like yeah, he was, okay. it was like a strobe light kind of thing. And he was wearing glasses and, and every outfit that he shows up in is more ridiculous than the last. It's kind of hilarious in that scene where he's on the wall. He's in like a boat captain's hat and a, a pattern. Yeah. He, he shows up like all five of the village shirt. people sometimes. I think it's just, yeah. Or like he pulled your, your granddad's 1950s leisure wear out of the closet and he's just wearing that. It's uh-huh. Uh-huh. like, did you, did, did you stop? Okay. You were reading a lot of shit in prison. Maybe you should have picked up a fashion magazine. Cause boy, you are what, out of fashion, dude. What do you think is Mrs. Doubtfire turn? Oh my, he's been practicing in prison. Like, uh, I, I get it. Okay, uh, you know, Bubba did his thing with you, but does that make you more qualified to pretend to be a woman in that scene? Dude. And the thing is, is like, I, I rewound that because I'm like, wow, they passed off 
they made it clear that there is uh, that Robert De Niro had murdered her and uh, and wearing her clothes, and I'm like, wow, they passed mm-hmm. off Robert De Niro as this housekeeper, and is dark and in the background, but like I didn't even fucking notice, and and like he he gave a vocal performance that was like really, and I rewound it like two, and I'm like, no, that's the actress that mm-hmm. is the housekeeper, and she steps off frame, and then Robert De Niro comes in, like. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was a little shitty. That's a little, that's a little, I don't know. That's a little pulling one over on the audience. And for what? Because all you need to do is sell the fact that like um, Nick Nolte would walk past his housekeeper out of the corner of his eye and Mm -hmm. not notice anything amiss. Like why not have Robert De Niro wearing the dress back there and in in the wig? Yeah, you could actually do that. Pull a fast one on the audience and they go, wow, I didn't even notice. Boy, Nick Nolte might not have noticed. But they fucking I don't know they uh, it just it just it it just kind of seemed seemed ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also like man, the one thing I thought would be cool because I've seen this you know I, I feel like I've seen this movie because um if you've seen the slideshow Bob episode of The Simpsons where he's trying to kill Bart uh because Bart framed him put him in prison this is at Cape mm-hmm. Fear. Yeah, yeah, down to him hitching a ride on the underside of the vehicle. <laughs> I thought in context of the film, this would make a lot more sense. But I think I'm to understand that Max Cady clung to the underside of their vehicle for like 100 miles. Yeah, however far from their house to Cape Fear. And he has maybe an inch and a half of clearance. In fact, I was actually Mm -hmm. scared for whoever that stuntman was because when they pulled out of that gas station, they came very close to just sandwiching him between the frame and they drive they're driving this this like utility vehicle it's like jacked (laughs) off the ground like 18 inches Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be menacing but it just came across stupid to me yeah same here there's a lot of stuff like that like um a lot of stuff at the end comes off as just over the top and dumb when it's supposed to be scary i don't know uh can we talk about uh joey don joey don baker sure yeah um i this guy drinking jack daniels and pepto-bismol again hilarious i love when nick nolte comes to him and wants a gun and he's like whoa 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 you know anything about a gun and nick nolte's like no and he's like, all right settle down i'll get you a gun (laughs) like Uh (laughs) i don't know there's just like (laughs) something really funny uh his Oh God, the monofilament wire. Oh scheme. yeah, like that seemed killed. just really ridiculous. Like this, like your whole stake out of this house is just staring at this teddy bear and waiting for it to twitch. <laughs> I love it. He stared at that thing for like two days straight. The guy no radio, has a, the no focus nothing. of a Superman. Like yes. the, yeah, because I thought the thing was he's going to fall asleep. Because how the hell does anyone stare at a teddy bear in the dark without falling asleep? But no, mm-hmm. no. And then, like, as soon as it starts moving, Joe Don Baker hitting the floor, rolling around with that snub nose 38 out, just commando crawling with his big old gut. Uh, it's funny. It's funny. There are some other definite, like, what the fucks. Um, you talked about Lee not realizing who Katie was. Did Katie really not know that Sam had a daughter? He has done all this research on him, found out that he's got a, a mistress, found out that he's, like, like how that his wife does sketches like all these different things that he knows about this family but not that they have a 16 year old daughter yeah 
that they take yeah. to school every morning that they that uh-huh. they fucking he sees them come out of the driveway you know like how does he not know this because he's so shocked when she runs up on the yard and, and he's like oh what a daughter they also did a pretty poor job of of, of convincing me that Juliet Lewis because they're like oh they're always talking like Juliet Lewis is this hellraiser you know because she I guess she has smoked a slightly weed once, maybe she smoked yeah she got caught at weed as with weed as a sixteen year old in high school uh, she like made the kind of made passing fun of her mom's you know like that whole thing where Jessica Lang's like she she was switched to birth it's like. She had a slightly skewed take on your logo work, lady. But they're always talking like she's mm-hmm. like this wild child. Um, and like this is a time where like Julia Lewis had because like that 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 sh- yeah, if Hollywood needed, we need a damaged young girl to be extremely sexualized. Uh, who are we gonna call? Who are we gonna call? Central Cat, Juliet Lewis, every fucking time, Juliet Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I don't feel like the movie did me did a good enough job painting the fact that she is so fucking wild and so rebellious and so out to show her dad that she would consider dating this guy who she mm-hmm. knows is terrorizing the family. Like I kind of bought it like oh, that she is having this improper dalliance with the drama teacher. But yeah. as soon as she finds out, oh, you're Max Katie, you're the guy who's been terrorizing my dad. Then she starts sucking his thumb and shit. Like, man, you just and didn't seem like you're that crazy. Doesn't she like cry about it after that scene? Well, but when her dad's like shaking her and she's like being oh, kind of coy and yeah, smiling about I it. I-, I thought she ran off crying from that scene. Am I wrong but, about that? Well, but he kind of humiliates her because like when he gets he does like uh, the mm-hmm. the da- the Prince Damon thing where he's got like, I'm fucking sexually awakening you. Uh, I'm setting your sexual alarm clock and it's ringing. And, and it's like, you know, she's like all hot and bothered. And then he just like take he just like drops her like cold takes off. But then in the next scene, she's all about it again. So I right. So she was hurt. Yeah. Her feelings were hurt. Like she, you know, she's being emotionally manipulated by this guy. But sure. like I again, in turmoil. If if they had kept it like I am your drama teacher and we're just doing drama teacher, like I would fully buy that. But like I don't know. Uh, uh. I also I think it's super weird. A what's what school? Maybe we should talk about this scene. Um, what school has? their theater in the basement like it's a multi-story amphitheater but it's in the fucking basement you have to crawl past steaming dripping pipes Mm -hmm. to get to the door of this fucking theater that is not how anything works but this movie wants me to believe it and i it's all for effect like oh you're going into this dangerous place no it's literally like she's going into this even the set that they have on is like this twisted demented version of an enchanted fairy tale forest like it's like literally the dark dark forest whatever he calls it yeah yeah uh no it's kind of crazy um and, and then she doesn't know the breed of the family dog this kills me they act like this throughout this movie i'm wondering is juliette lewis uh is is what is her name danny is danny like nick nolte's daughter but not lee's daughter because she doesn't know like the breed of the dog but her mom is super affected by the dog's death right it's like she's crying and sobbing and then just leaking all over the place when she's talking about it and juliette Uh lewis is sitting there like a stone she doesn't give a shit about this dog that has been with the family for 
a decade who knows how long long enough for a mom to like be distraught over it mm. she she doesn't even but know what breed it is. Like that's that's like that's the mom's pet. Like no one else right. loves this dog. But, but it's, it's just been in this mom. house for sixteen years with this girl. Yeah. What the fuck? It yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Can I ask you like what do you think about the payoff of the piano wire? Not as compelling or interesting as I had hoped. No, it's, just like, it's oh, like oh, he strangled him with that wire from four, fifteen scenes ago. Yes, that's the thing. It's like Nick Dolte's like playing the piano. He's like, wait, what? One, there's, there's this thing's out of tune. What? There's a whole piano wire missing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this is going to. And then it's like Don Joe Baker's like mono. I was like, is it is going to come back with the monofit? Like, I don't know. And then nah, he just he just gets garroted by it. Like literally an yeah. hour later in the movie. No, nothing in this movie was as clever. But, and and so I heard. And at that time, it's readings. like it's like it's like well, we know that he broke in like. It's weird because like there's all this mystery about whether he's actually getting inside the house or there's some other way that he's doing this. Like, how is he poisoning the dog? How's he doing that? Mm-hmm. They reveal for once and for all that yes, he is in fact getting into the house, but he's actively in the house strangling the guy when they reveal it. It's like what? Yeah, and they never reveal like how he got into the house. It's it's just like because they make it right. seem like oh he's got some secret way to get in. How is he doing it? He just. He just gets in. He doesn't lie. They never tell you like how, like why was it special? Why didn't we? Why couldn't we tell how he was getting in this house? Yeah, there's a lot of that where it's like he's almost uh, supernaturally good at like human engineering. You know, he can get in and talk. Like, how does he get the list of students? How does he get the faculty list at the school? How does he? Mm. And and I guess things weren't as hard a target as they are nowadays. And it's still shockingly easy to, to socially engineer people. But he's just like. Kind of like, um, oh shit, what's his name in season one of Fargo? Um, Billy Bob Thornton. He's like Billy Bob Thornton in season, like he's almost supernaturally mm-hmm. good at the things he's doing. Like he can just appear and disappear like smoke. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. Do you know what I, uh, part of the movie I really enjoyed? Uh, Nick Nolte slipping in a pool of blood and busting his ass. <laughs> And I think They're rolling around in it, I it was that was that supposed to happen? Like in the script? Yeah. That he slips on the blood because he I fucking assume. busted his ass. Yeah. It was a it was the most vi- one of the most violent slip and falls I've seen this this side <laughs> of Chuck and Better Call Saul. Uh huh. No, it's it's uh, I. I I was laughing too hard to note how violent of a fall it was because boy, it's hilarious. It's just it's a slip slapstick. It's really it's really funny. And the the way he, you know, rolls around it and stuff. Uh and then and then I'm thinking at like, okay, now now you're in trouble, right? You've got a dead man in your house, his blood is all over your clothes. You just picked up the gun, which is the murder weapon, ran out into the yard and fired several shots with it. So your fingerprints are all over it. Bloody mm-hmm. fingerprints. Um you're in trouble and that's when they run and I'm like okay he's he's the fugitive right uh actually he's way crazier than the fugitive I not even Richard Kimball ran to a fucking swamp in the middle of nowhere on a houseboat right to evade the law he just kind of like went to a dingy basement uh boy he really takes his his vigilante hiding seriously 
Uh, did you catch that when Juliette Lewis ran to her room when her family, her, her mom and dad were fighting and screaming and she goes and she turns on MTV and she cranks the volume? They were playing mm -hmm. Jane's Addiction caught stealing, but that was video, not yeah. what was coming out of the speakers. What the fuck? Did they, did they no, lose the rights to that music in between production and release? Did they lose it in between 1991 and 2020? Because I've heard that's like, if you want to stream a movie that was at least made in North America in the last 30, 40 years, and mysteriously you can't anywhere, you can't even buy it, it's almost always because a very complicated music rights issue that didn't cover streaming. Mm -hmm. or the, the one that comes to mind is Pump Up the Volume, the Christian Slater. We did that uh, mm -hmm. a couple years back, and it's like you, you have to pirate that movie if you want to watch it uh, yeah. because no one it's illegal to release that movie in any form. <laughs> it's the same with digitalized. Uh, music video games the like rock bands and guitar heroes of the world those are really hard to re-release or to yep. keep online right. because of the music rights right yeah I, I don't know so so it was weird i noticed that immediately i'm like oh i've seen that music video as jane's addiction caught stealing oh, it's very, i very like, they song. showed like the word the dude's like slipping uh pineapple up his vagoo it's like that's a very <laughs> uh-huh yeah if you're if you're watching mtv in, in the early 90s like yeah that's uh that's a frame that you're gonna remember Absolutely. Uh, I, I know this song. It's Patience by Guns N' Roses. Uh, the two are not the same. No. I want to. My headcanon is that she is just a girl who listens to the radio while watching MTV on mute. That's my headcanon for this girl. She's some kind of sight, true psychopath. Like, in my head, this is Juliette Lewis saying, nah, I need to be weirder. Let me watch Jane's Addiction while listening to Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe she makes mixtapes where she's like, you know what? This 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 music video doesn't oh, go with this song. That's so she tries to find fuck, man. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. She's uh, remixing the shit out of music mixed videos. Mixed VHS back in the day. tapes. Hell yeah. She's Nobody ever be... made me a mixed VHS tape. <laughs> why didn't? Yeah. Why didn't you make, why, why didn't we, we make uh, music video mixes for our boy and girlfriends back in the day? Because they didn't have VHS Walkmans. If they had had like yeah, personal, a, a deck, private, a, a double deck VCR where you could actually have one tape and then another that you're because like that's making a mixtape was hell unless you yeah. had a, a, a double double headed. Because otherwise tape you're trying to listen to the radio and got your your finger on the thing, but you always got right. the, the annoying DJ uh -huh. who's like, "Man, you're cutting off the first 15 seconds of the song sure. and the last like minute and a half of it. Come on, dude." Yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna beep all the swears and. Well, I was thinking of it from the other the other side where like the mixtape is a very personal private thing, right? You don't want to go into the living room and and for your entire family play oh, the mixtape right. that your boyfriend made for you when it's right. got fucking genuine's pony on it or some shit. Uh Right. It, so that wasn't possible with a VHS. This was an tape. era where having your own television in your room was a big deal, let alone the whole television VCR like entertainment right. center complex. Just not private enough. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Glad we took uh, talked that through together. Mm -hmm. uh, can we talk about the final act of this film? Uh, there is some perfect storm. Oh my god! All these yeah. shitty things with this houseboat, this clearly mm -hmm. model houseboat on this raging, oddly raging river with a very nondescript background. Uh, you can see the limit of the budget here. Um, yeah, it's just, like I said, I don't have much to say, but it's silly. Uh, it well, looks oh, terrible. I, 
I have plenty to say. That crash is insane. <laughs> that crash is like they put the boat, the houseboat, into a fucking blender. Yeah. What? What's? What is? Is it the, in the poltergeist where the house folds up into itself and goes yes. into like a? That's what happens to this boat. Uh-huh. It hits the poltergeist <laughs> and just sucks up into its own butthole. It's insane what happens to that boat. I can't. Yeah, you know, like I can't explain it physically. Like at first, nope. I'm like, wow, this is a hell of a wreck. But it just kept on going on. I'm like, how compacted can this fucking houseboat get? <laughs> and Jessica is- let. And I'm like, well, Jessica Lang and Juliet Lewis are fucking dead. And like oh, everyone's yeah. Oh yeah. And then, then they have Robert De Niro just floating on like a little six foot section of it. Like uh-huh. it's like if you took okay. It's like if you took if, if you got a if if a, if a houseboat's a house and you just like melon ball scoop the bathroom out of it, mm-hmm. that is what's left floating on the river. It's pretty cool. I like it. Uh yeah, I, I it was wild, man. That shot they, blew my mind. It, it's it's the best effect shot in the entire movie, because I don't know how they did it. I really don't true. know how they did it. True. They turned they yeah. turned a houseboat into matchsticks in a matter yes. of three seconds from it hitting a rock. Yeah, it, it's improbable, uh, and and it kind of amazing, kind of awesome. Uh, and there's this insane. Also, the the camera work in mm-hmm. this final fight where it's just like it's like. Um, at some point, the like, okay, God, how am I trying to say this? You've seen Star Trek when the bridge takes damage and the camera's doing one thing and the actor's doing one thing. Oh, yeah. Martin Scorsese says, hold my beer. He spins that camera 360 around its viewing axis every time the ship takes a wave. And it's the most disorienting thing in the world. I... <laughs> He's just like there was it's just like he just the wild swings he was doing with the camera to like sell the motion and the connect kinetic and it for whatever reason it just didn't work. It just felt yeah kind of like shoddy and kind of like uh this is kind of a boring bad action sequence and we need to punch just go for broke with the camera movement so people don't can't tell. This is the thing. Um it was a problem for me in Age of Innocence as well. I'm not sure necessarily exactly what Scorsese is trying to say with his flares of cinematography. Um, he seems to be doing them simply to do them in a lot of yeah. scenes. It, I, I sort of get like the negative image stuff. Because it's very Hitchcockian, very yeah. 60s thriller. But like half yeah, the shit he's trying to pull is just... I don't know. Throw a weird effect in there because yeah. uh, that's the reputation I have. Right. Yes. It's like ah, it's not. It's not. It's not scars. Scorsese enough. Scorsese it's not scarsy enough. enough. Give me more scarsy. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. And now back with more bald move. Uh. I, I, oh man, I have so so many more questions. Okay, uh, hit me with one because I got I got like one more. Okay, there's the whole sequence with um, them locking down the house, right? And to me, I was like, okay, I I see what's going to happen here. What he's going to do is he's going to go fly on his business trip or whatever, or not a business trip. He needs to save his career. So he's going to go out and fly to this hearing. He's going to hire Joe Don Baker to come in and protect the family while he's gone. Well, half of that is true. He does hire him, but he doesn't go to the hearing. So he's going to lose his career anyway, right? His career shot. Which is why he, they, they say he's a fugitive because he didn't show up. Like towards the end of the movie, they, they say he's a fugitive when he's going to houseboat because he he skipped this hearing. Oh, okay. Is I thought it bar- was because he just had murdered clear- Joe Don Baker and rolled around in his blood and fired the 
murder weapon. Oh, is that times. what? Okay, is that is I is that maybe what it was? I I couldn't really tell you because I don't they're, know how they would have found the body that quick. But yeah, uh, no, I thought it was like they were calling like you never showed up to your hearing. But just to be clear, this is a bar association. The stakes are you get disbarred. The stakes aren't you're gonna have a bench warrant bench warrant sworn out and you're going to be arrested i don't think no you're just not going to be able to practice law uh, right that's yeah it. it's like you just forfeit your life so then that you're right at the end of this movie what the fuck ha- okay anyway yeah we haven't even got to your thing yet let's get to your thing yeah no i i got two things here um so it's totally unconscionable to bring the maid into this situation right like hiring the maid to, to keep up appearances means that she is in a very dangerous situation and it ends up in her murder she gets murdered yeah send her home send her home give her the day off man you think max katie's not going to show up because the maid's not there no this is his opportunity to strike let's send the housekeeper home i'll 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 wear a dress i'll wear i'll wear a (laughs) wig there you go there you go men can do that in still be masculine could you you imagine if he goes to kill the maid and and he turns around and is nick nolte (laughs) (laughs) they're both they're both missed out firing yeah dueling missed out fires that'd be amazing (laughs) dueling doubt fires Uh, we we need we need Robert De Niro to come back. Oh damn, we don't have Robin Williams. Let's re, let's remake this movie. We can do, can do, do it, it. if Robert if, if Robin Williams had not succumbed to depression and killed himself, we could have a dueling doubtfires with a seventy year old Robin Williams and, uh, in a spoof uh, movie of Cape Fear. Oh boy, yeah, and he's he's trying to out. Uh, they're both trying to like Robin Williams trying to infiltrate his family to save it, and Robert De Niro trying to infiltrate the family to kill it. <laughs> Cape doubt. Cape. <laughs> <laughs> Cape fire. <laughs> Cape Fire, yes. Uh, Cape Fire. And, and <laughs> that's just how you say fear in a southern accent, right? <laughs> Cape Fire. Cape Fire. Yeah. <laughs> that's how Robert De Niro says Jesus it. Christ. Okay, one other question about that scene. Nick Nolte. Well, so, yeah, you're, you have a good question. So, Nick Nolte is a fugitive from the law for either uh, ducking his bar association review or the people the police showing up and seeing that he's murdered his maid and his private eye uh associate and his murder um so at the end of this movie his family is together but they're going to stand trial for murdering two people and also he's going to lose his law his his job as a high-powered like what in what way are they together Ah, yeah. Unless unless they claim like, oh, Joe Don Baker broke into our house and we had the right to kill him because of it. Because that's the whole premise of like what why they're doing this plan is because if Katie breaks into their house, they can legally murder him. So maybe yeah. they're just going to say that like Joe Don busted into Which our I think house. That's, and I, I think that I garroted that's, that's, that's right. <laughs> I pulled a string out of our piano and I cut his throat with it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Here's the other thing I don't understand about that scene. Nick Nolte, at some point during the scene, when he realizes Katie is in the house, he says, I guess now we know how the dog died. No, we no, we don't. How did the dog die? Aaron, how did the dog die? I mean, by some kind of obviously, but how did he get him? How did he get him? Because the movie claims that now we know. And I don't fucking know. Yeah, my guess was he poisoned some meat and threw it over the wall. But yeah, I I think they're just saying that like it's definitely Katie. I don't know. I I mean we knew it was Katie. 
the dog didn't just spontaneously die, right? I, but they didn't I don't know because they couldn't prove it legally. Sure. Um, God, I the, still the don't the know fi- how he got in the house. He used the this final shot, with the loose window, maybe. The final shot of this movie is terrible too. Like Juliet Lewis just staring at the camera as it goes negative, and then washes red as she's given this unhinged. Well, we were all fine after that, but we never talked about this day. It was, it was too too much to thin. You can fixate on death or you can live, and I choose to live. Like, what? Uh, so, mm-hmm. like, God, why? Like, the movie's ten to- like, the movie's stronger without. There's a lot of curious choices. Um, did I learn that you can pick a man up by his neck? Yes. By yeah, sure. cupping your hand like you're trying to drink water and like hooking their chin, and <laughs> apparently, mm-hmm. like this, so Nick, Nick Nolte's just walk on the deck of his houseboat, and Robert De Niro just grabs his chin from underneath and just drags him onto the upper floor. That's now, this is. hold can be defeated by the natural instinct to look up at your attacker. If Nick Nolte yeah. just is like, What the hell? and just looks up. <laughs> He's free. He's free. Yeah. But instead, he hooks his jaw to his chin so he could be hauled up. Oh man, <laughs> that's the one of the funniest. I, I was, I was really, la- I was rolling the last ten or fifteen minutes of this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be terrifying, right? And yeah, to me, it's just kind of hilarious. As soon as the uh, houseboat broke the loose, and it was it's clearly this shoebox sized model on this raging river bathtub mm-hmm. set, like it just never stopped being funny. Yeah, yeah, and kind of by the end of this movie, I just wanted it to be over. I'm like, yes, just just let just fucking sink already. Stop singing, just sink. You're gonna die. Like, yeah, yeah, blood on your hands, it washes off. What, whatever. I, I don't care. Your metaphor is is not worth the time after this movie. The movie's only not even quite. Is it? Is it a little over two hours? It felt it's wrong, right at, yeah like even though it's not really because yeah there's a lot of stuff like when he was like, going through and washing the blood off his hands i'm like oh my god this is so kind of hack and do you do you think that yeah. you would have gotten the fact that max katie was speaking in tongues had they not name check speaking in tongues like 30 40 minutes sure. before you think you would have okay in, in 1991 sure. look i was nine years old maybe not <laughs> But well, nowadays, absolutely, of course. Okay, okay. Because I could, I at first I was like, "What the fuck is he doing? Is he like drowning or what?" And then I'm like, "Oh, right, they yeah. talked about speaking in tongues and his daddy drinking acid and all that crap." Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this: the end of this movie, they're all huddled up together, hugging each other. They've just floated out to the Atlantic Ocean for like an hour. How do they get back to civilization, dude? No clue. No They're clue. just like, and we lived happily ever after, never thinking I, about I'm this moment again. You. Well, I'm show me the next you. six months of your lives where you guys are trying to get through the jungle full of, or the jungle, the swamp full of alligators and and shit like that. How and did you get when back? You finally, when you finally show up at a diner and you 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 try to like, you're instantly arrested for the cr- the murder of like three people. Right, right. The and maid, your dad's Joe been Don disbarred. Baker. Your dad's been disbarred. <laughs> And you got no money, and you probably lost your house, and yeah, I. But at least you don't have blood on your hands, Aaron. At least you don't least have blood you know. on your hands. And apparently, Nick Nolte quit fucking around after that, and Juliette Lewis was scared right, straight, right. and she was a mom. Yeah, and the you know, mom got a new dog. Sure, the daughter never 
learned its name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, don't uh, I don't like this. It's movie. not a good movie. It's not a good movie. I did not. I was looking for it. I actually wasn't because remember, remember last week when we were, I think this is off, uh, off the, the, the record. We were talking about like it's going to be Cape Fear, and I'm like, I bet this movie. I've never seen this movie, but I get, I'm, I'm betting it's going to. And I laid out, and it's exactly what I thought it was. And that was like, yeah. I was kind of secretly hoping that Scors- the Scorsese of it would elevate it just a little bit. And um, if anything, it got like I feel like this would have been a better thriller if someone not Scorsese, like just just got somebody to do it, like whoever was yeah. like the the workman. The workman-like director of the '90s, because there wouldn't be this there. Alfred Hitchcock feel. Like I've got to right. go for that. And he, yeah, look, I've seen a red out before. I've never seen a yellow out. I guess that's <laughs> like ha- fade to yellow is weird, and I don't know what he's trying to say she with had it. The pee. But he's Robert De Niro wrecked her bathroom <laughs> okay. and it swept out to sea. She had been holding, <laughs> she had been holding her piss for like, I mean, how long did he ever locked into the, the, the hold? He's pee shot. Uh, while, yeah, while. And let me ask you this: better or worse if Steven Spielberg makes it? Can you even imagine? Better, better because because like Steven Spielberg would not have gone fucking Gonzo on some of the sexual violence. Would have like honestly, mm-hmm. if Max doesn't bite that woman's cheek off and break her arm, I kind of buy that scene. Hmm. Okay, you know. Like, well, yeah. he raped me and it's even maybe even a, 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 a and, and but but I don't want to have the whole floozy accusation. I don't want to I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want the guy. But like just just the way they sat that up and the way it was filmed is number one is just it's, it's un- unpleasant to watch. And number two, the For way sure. it worked within the film was like, yeah, it just it just didn't fit. It just is, is a piece of the machine that was broken and, and didn't didn't help the engine turn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I've I've seen a gratu- I've seen gratuitous sexual violence that don't really serve the plot, but it's but like I've never seen one actively, <laughs> actively go against like like the uh, buck the tide of the what the movie's trying to do. Yeah, I mean, this is the only movie that I guess Julia Lewis has ever been nominated for an Oscar for, and I'm a huh. little disappointed in that because I like Natural Born Killers, or at least I did when I saw it. Boy, I was that's a much that was a better. Long time ago crazy yes girl movie for sure i agree i think she's much better in it and i don't know why this got so much acclaim from her like maybe it's the duality of her right she's able she's able Wasn't to play that kind of the first thing she super did innocent do? this is very early on yeah this might be her first like, feature film i don't even think she was like she was like 17 going on 18 in this movie mm-hmm and I think it's a good performance. It's just I've seen her do better, and she didn't get any nominations for that. So what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she did my stepmother national. Oh, right, she's a National Lampoon's Christmas oh, Vacation. Yeah, never mind. But she then was. the next, then right after that, she's in Cape Fear. So like, if you had seen her as like, you know, the Griswold daughter, and then uh-huh. she's sucking Robert De Niro's thumb and being terrorized by him in this movie it's like i guess that's that's a that's a hairpin turn for an actor to take maybe and that really impressed mm-hmm. really impressed people i suppose um, makes sense yeah anyway that's uh cape fear that's cape fear um we are going to be taking a hiatus from prestige <laughs> can, movies can for... i can i do one more thing here of course your podcast before we leave i got one more thing to to ask you about uh there's a scene where Robert De Niro first 
really meets up and talks with Nick Nolte and he tells him, hey, look, look at you. You gained like 15 pounds, right? It's been 14 years. Mm-hmm. I lost a pound a year. You gained a pound a year. This is shitty to tell the actor who just lost a shitload of weight to take on this role. Boy, you look real puffy there, Nolte. <laughs> Looking real bad. 14 extra yeah. pounds. Yeah. I think that's hilarious. The what meta you- of it. Yeah, no, it's uh, the the also, if anything, it's like the exact opposite. You know, De Niro put on like twenty pounds of muscle. And <laughs> right, Nolte starved himself. I have a hard time believing he only dropped fourteen pounds in fourteen years. A pound a year on prison food. That's he, I enough. mean, I tell you, he had zero body fat on him though. Yeah, like it is. It's like I've 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 seen him all kinds of body shapes, but like it, that that first scene of him like doing those dips was was pretty pretty impressive i had yeah. high hopes for the movie at that point let me let's put it that way <laughs> all right are we done with cape fear now yeah i think so all done uh this is going to be the final or not the final it's going to be the last prestige movie for a while why because we're going to be talking about showtime's yellow jackets another mm. prestige thriller speaking of with- juliette lewis with maybe maybe they'll have a bunch of supernatural elements in it this year and we'll look like fools we'll look like fools for putting it in prestige but also i think we're trying to like maybe re-envision for prestige is just the overall kind of quality and aims of the project rather than its presence of aliens or you know spaceships and whatnot uh we're gonna see how it goes because we've been doing we've been doing prestige movies for a long time and we're going to continue to do them on first run and probably when we're in between prestige projects but oh my gosh we've just been flooded with so much pulp it's time to time to clear out the prestige pipes so uh we'll be doing that for the next uh, couple months or so starting next week we'll have the uh preview if not the first episode i'm not sure this might be coming out one week in arrears um but yeah we will be back to prestige movies i'm sure before you know it and again maybe uh uh maybe a first run movie or two will come out and uh thanks for listening Thanks for helping us pick uh, these various projects. Maybe Cape Fear. What was Cape Fear running against, Jim? Maybe maybe I can risk pissing off our executive producers. I'm going to take shots at them. Right. How, how'd you guys pick Cape Fear when you had these other two movies to pick from? Uh, I, I really don't know because the other two movies were In the Name of the Father, which is Daniel Day-Lewis, and Scent of a Woman. hoo Come on. We had Daniel Day-Lewis and hoo and you sent us down the, cape, the, the thumb-sucking path? Right. That's that's why we're you know we gave the exec producers too much power. They went drunk. They went mad. Uh, you guys, you guys gotta, you guys gotta sit on the bench for a couple. We got, we got, we got to figure things out. We're gonna do some. Yeah, just, just, just watch some Yellow Jackets and think about what you did. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, thank you for support. And we'll see you. We'll see you on the next one. Bye, guys. <laughs>